Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to The Other Identity, the all-new, all-different rebirth of the classic Checkpoint XP uh, podcast for comics and comic culture. Now, a little bit has changed here today. I am unfortunately, fortunately, depending on how you look at, look at it, without my usual stalwart co-host and uh, sidekick, the Joe Boy, but uh, we've upgraded, and along here with me, my uh, my new cohort, I have with me Ben Morris. Ben, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Robbie. Excited to be here. Like that you use the all new, all different branding as well as the <laughs> rebirth branding, combining two universes worth of branding right here on the other identity. I'm so excited to be here, man. Uh, hopefully, people will not miss Joe too much, and if not, hopefully, we can just. Uh, Pull him on and talk to him for five minutes to give give people some comfort food. Uh, and, and you know what? Just to set people's minds at ease, I know we teased a little bit, you know, back during, uh, I guess you could call it season one, uh, back in the old universe, uh, that we were going to kill him off uh, 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 Joker style. You know, he'd become the Red Hood. But I am, I am happy to let you know that that wasn't the case, that he actually chose to move on. More, more Nightwing style, right? He wanted to get out and like do his own thing, you know. He wanted to spread his own wings, and there's always a home for him back here when he needs to come back and, you know, maybe get a little bit of uh, insight or some some advice from me, you know, his old mentor. It's it's it's, a, it's like a Batman and Robin thing. So, no one has to worry about Joe. He's in good hands. And I think it's important to confirm that Joe is not actually dead. He was not killed by a uh, crowbar wielding villain. He's he's just doing other things, but That's he's still right. very much alive and uh, hopefully cheering for us to do a good job. Yeah, definitely, and and we'll definitely make sure to get him in here for uh, you know any discussions that warrant his limited expertise. But Oof. for now, he's out doing his own thing and, and just growing as a person. But I have to say, Ben, I am so excited. You know, one of my favorite episodes was the original one that we had you on. I forget which number it was, but, you know, it was Origins, Ben Morris. And it was such a fun episode to have you on. And now you're going to be here with me every week talking about what we both love. And that's comics. Yeah, man. And I'm super excited as well. Um, I've been, and we'll get into our origin stories a little bit coming up here, but I've been looking forward to just having a chance to talk comics. It's my biggest passion. It's something I've literally loved for over 30 years of my life. Um, and, you know, I've gotten to talk about it in a number of different capacities. But this is the first time I get to be kind of uh, free. Free to say whatever I want. The good, the bad, <laughs> the ugly, the indifferent. I've got a good co-pilot with me and you, Robbie. And I'm really excited to, to look into this world because comics the beauty of it guys is there's so much to it um there's superheroes there's drama there's romance there's serious stuff and there's all these different things that we can touch on and over the course of the other identity the the goal here for us is to welcome you guys the listeners into this universe into this world kind of went in reverse there from universe to world but <laughs> you get the idea welcome you into this beautiful thing called comics that we both love and if you're a new fan, give you a roadmap. If you're an old fan, maybe introduce you to something you weren't thinking about. There should be something for everybody here on The Other Identity. You know, a uh, billionaire playboy philanthropist once once said, you got to run before you can walk. Yeah, and so did, like, my dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, if, if you're used to what you, if, if you're used to the old Other Identity, you know, you're still going to get a bit of that here. But obviously, you know, uh, you have 
an expertise. You you have a pool of knowledge to draw from that's a lot deeper than what Joe had to offer. No offense to Joe Boy. Yeah, let's not so, bag on Joe. I, I feel like the, the, the right way to start this off on the right foot is not to bury Joe. I mean, you know, he's a good dude, but oh, I'm yeah. going to miss him, though, man. I'm I know. Gonna miss him. I already miss him yeah. because he was the one who would take the shots. And now you're going to take them at me. So I miss him well, very much. Look, there's 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 will definitely be shots taken for sure. But shots I fired. also there's a different level of respect mm-hmm. that I have for you. You know, that you have to have for your elders. Oh, and come I think on, the man. way. <laughs> <laughs> the way that I've kind of been looking at it, because obviously we have some opinions that differ, and those will definitely come so. out here. Yeah, you have some terrible a... takes. Mm. But I like but you, way... Robbie. I like you a lot, and this is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking to turn somebody I like into somebody I can also respect. Oh, okay. I see how it is. Well, well you know, you, you know, the way that I've been prepping for this is I think this is very much your Professor Xavier, I'm Magneto, right? We both want to get to the same place, but we maybe have different opinions on how to get there. And that does work because I am a college professor, so it all fits. And you are obviously a supervillain, so (laughs) it works for both of us. We're both playing the roles we were born to play. You know, Joe once told me, and maybe I'll tell this story some other time, but I don't want to scare anybody off this first time, but he once told me that I'm like the Joker in real life. That's because of a, because of a prank that I pulled that spanned like nine months. I can only imagine what kind of prank prank in quotation marks there you pulled that deemed someone to t- call you the most psychopathic <laughs> character probably in the history of not just comics but all of fiction. That's definitely a story we need to get to one of these days. Yeah, well, and if you guys want to hear it, you're just going to have to keep tuning in week after week. So uh, for those of you who are maybe new, maybe just finding this podcast. For the first time, maybe let's get to know each other a little bit better, right? I mean, uh, as I mentioned, you have a background that is just absolutely steeped in comic culture. So where did it start for you? Yeah, man. So it all started back when I was a kid. I don't truly remember when I first got into comics, but growing up in Boston, Massachusetts, I do know that around age six, I put together a homemade Flash costume that I do have a picture of. And you know what? I'll have to send that over to you so we can put it up on uh, CheckpointXP.com. But uh, I have no shame. But yeah, I had a homemade Flash costume because I loved superheroes from a young age. I loved particularly the Flash. He was my guy. But it really crystallized around... 1992. I was 10 years old and X-Men the Animated Series first Mm. came on the air. It blew my mind. This complex world of heroes, villains, oppressors, the oppressed. There was so much going on and I was a kid who loved that struggle between good and evil. I was already a big fan of pro wrestling. So just that idea of the good guys and the bad guys, and it's not always as easy to tell the difference. That appealed to me. So I love X-Men Animated. And for me, I wanted more. I, I didn't want to just watch a half hour every Saturday morning. So where could I find more? Well, I knew that these guys came from the comics, so I went to the comic book store. And the beauty of 1992 is... X-Men was going strong, so there was an instant in for me right there. But also, right around the same time that the X-Men cartoon debuted was the death of Superman. 
over at DC Comics. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. And that was a perfect place to enter the DC universe. So age 10, I'm reading Marvel. I'm reading DC. I'm loving it. I never truly let go. In high school, I pretended to stop reading comics because I wanted to be popular. <laughs> and I would literally secretly sneak off to New England Comics a couple uh, couple towns away. Uh, the most terrifying moment of my high school career was running into another friend there at the comic shop. And me being like, oh, yeah, I'm here to buy things for... Uh, I don't know, my cousin? No, I'm here for me. So I I remained a comic book fan through high school. In college, I was able to really uh, celebrate it again, started doing some stuff online, writing about comics for various websites. And when I graduated college, I was looking for something to do. <laughs> I had no real direction. And it was my father, uh, kudos to my dad, because I don't know if every parent would do this, who said to me, you love comic books. Why don't you see if you can try to find something to do there? So I went out to San Diego Comic-Con in the summer of 2004. I met my hero at the time, Jeff Johns, who was writing Flash and Teen Titans. He, for whatever reason, took a liking to me and basically became my mentor in the comic book business. Helped me get a job as Wizard Magazine which you may have heard of, Robbie. It's uh, obviously long lamented at this point, no longer around. But Wizard Magazine was basically the entertainment weekly of comics. I got to work there as a research assistant and as a staff writer. And then after about two years of uh, refining my skills at Wizard, Marvel, my, my dream company, the company that I literally, when I was in elementary school, wrote myself a letter from future me saying, hey, you're going to work at Marvel Comics someday. That dream came true uh, in 2007. I got hired at Marvel. I started out as an assistant editor on the Marvel.com website. I worked my way up over the course of a decade there. And eventually, my final title was editorial director of digital media, which meant I was responsible for anything digital at Marvel. So long story, pretty long at this point. Um, (laughs) comics fan all my life almost worked at marvel for 10 years now i'm out in las vegas Uh, i'm a professor at unlv but my love for comics is as strong as ever and i bring to the table a knowledge honed over 38 years of loving this stuff and also a decade of actually working in the business with all my heroes all the people i loved and uh i hope to bring it all of you Wow, man. I, I think I should probably should have went first. How am I supposed to follow that? <laughs> <laughs> You've gone through like your complete story arc, man. You're you're at the end now. You're old man Logan looking back on like a life well spent. Whew. God, I hope I get to old man Logan. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the goal. Mm-hmm. So th- there's actually a few really cool parallels, uh, you know, the way that our stories start. Uh, I obviously, you know, growing up started, you know, with the X-Men, the animated series, uh, Batman, the animated series. Uh, Spider-Man was the big one. That was the one that really sort of captured me for the first time and and it was because of the way that it started to cross over into some of the other ones. You know, I remember that there was an episode where you know you got to see Tony Stark in Iron mm-hmm. Man. Uh, Captain America was in the uh, the Sinister 6 episode uh, of Spider-Man and uh, you know that's what sort of pushed me to want and try the comics and and I lived out in the middle of nowhere podunk, you know, uh, uh, country there's a single stop sign or stoplight in the middle of the town type deal. So I couldn't go and just pick up comic books at, at my shop, you know, at my local shop. But my dad had found at a garage sale somewhere like, you know, someone who was selling their old collection. It was a single like, you know, 
two foot by two foot box with just the comics thrown into it. So, you know, they were missing their covers. They were like, you know, curled up like newspapers in, in the two that I remember. One of them was actually the Flash, and it was something about like some race across the universe. And I just remember him teaming up with like a little like lightning bolt type character. I don't know if that rings any bells for you or not. And then the other one was a team up between Spider Man and Doctor Strange that I can't fully remember. Uh, but you know that's what started my love of uh, of superheroes in comics. And uh, a lot of my earlier years were actually spent reading about the background and history on Wikipedia as opposed to being able to buy comics themselves. And it wasn't until I was able to get into the Ultimate Universe was the first time that I was able to read, like, front to back, I found a collection of everything in the Ultimate Universe in chronological order up until that point. And I have to be honest, it kind of ruined how to read comic books a little bit for me now, because now I'll go back, and, like, I just recently uh, went back and got caught up on um, uh, uh, House of M, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going into it, it's talking about, like, all the stuff that happened with Hawkeye, and I felt like I was missing out on stuff. And at the end, you know, it it ends, but it doesn't really because it sets up, like, what happened to all that energy from Wanda. It, it didn't just go anywhere, as uh, Hank Pym says at the end of it. And so it, it it's weird not having and knowing what's before and what comes after, just having it sitting there ready for you. Um, but I'm trying to get over that and forcing myself to, to read a few more things. But obviously the MCU changed the entire game for everyone you know it's not just about comic books anymore or just being fans of of the books themselves it's transcended that and that's going to be a little bit about what this show here is about as well you know the essential pieces of what you need to to know or experience or love about the comic book world and we're going to get to that in just a second we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back to you talking to you about what we think is essential for getting into the world of comics Welcome back, everybody, to The Other Identity. I am joined by my brand new co-host, Ben Morris. And uh, we're going to sit down here now. You, know, you learned a little bit about us, a little bit about where we came from and what sort of created us. And now, you know, the, the, the show isn't just about comics and the books themselves. You know, It's the way that these superheroes have impacted the culture, the way they've ingrained themselves in our lives now. And, and I think that there are certain... There are certain pieces of it that are essential reading or essential viewing. You know, things that no matter your age, no matter what you're into, you're going to get something out of. Uh, I, th- I think the most obvious, of course, is is the MCU. You know, even my, my mom and my grandma and my grandpa, everyone that I know in my family makes it a point to go out and see these movies. And, and that's kind of, to me, what's what really kind of started this project as well, this passion here, is you see so many people who, you know, maybe back in high school when Ben was pretending not to be into comic books so that he could be popular, right? There are people back then that now probably love these movies and love these characters. Oh, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's Revenge of the Nerds here in 2020. Basically, you know, all of us who spent our formative years secretly reading X-Men comics and uh, knowing who Tony Stark was and what Wakanda was, now we get to be the ones who all our friends and family come to and say like, hey, comics are awesome. Can you... Can you get me into comics? I know that's what we're going to work Yeah, exactly. Where do I start? And the beauty for me, Robbie, is, and, and I appreciate this, is that 
So I, I talked about in our first segment the idea that I started with X-Men the Animated Series and then I wanted to discover this larger world that took place in comics. And what I always tell anybody who watches the movies and then says, I don't want to get into the comics because I'm just too intimidated by the idea that there's, you know, 80 years worth of history yeah, for me to catch up on. I say it this way. Look at that not as a bad thing, but as a cool opportunity, right? Because we're going to recommend some essential stuff, some easy stuff, and we'll do that throughout the course of this show. But celebrate the fact that if you get into one story, there is decades worth of other stories for you You'll to check out. You'll never run out, essentially. Yeah, there, it's, it's, there, it's not about where to start. It's, it's more about once you do get started... There, there's not going to be an end in sight, and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's actually more intimidating or not. Some people find it scary. I find it super yeah. encouraging. I'll tell you right now, just another step along my journey was when I was in college. I, even though I was into both Marvel and DC, like I told you, I was more versed in Marvel. So DC was always kind of a little bit of a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. I picked up and read as a college student who wasn't that familiar with DC, the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. Oh, and I just actually I know went back and started that. Yeah. You're reading it right now, and to me, I, I didn't see it as, oh my god, dozens of characters, all these years of continuity that I don't understand. I saw it as, okay, the stuff I like here, I can go follow it. I can go expand outwards. I didn't see it as, this is a block. I, I, I don't know. That's just, that's how I've always been. And I feel like you're the same way because you were talking about using Wikipedia to learn more. I always want to learn more. If I like something, I'll dive into it. And I think that's a way for people who maybe have just seen the movies to look at this. Don't look at it as, as there's 80 years that I'm never going to be able to catch up on. Look at it as you've just opened a doorway into an entirely new world that is full of entertainment, content, highs, lows, and stories for you to experience. And I think you nailed it, Robbie. You're never going to run out of stuff to enjoy. Well, and, and, and I think that's a good point. I think the hardest part is definitely just finding a place to jump into. Because once you jump in and once you experience this and really find a story that resonates with you, you know, that, that gives you your in. And from there, you just kind of go from story to story, you know, see what you like, what you don't like. And and there will be both. I, I, I Look, we're going to have an episode where we'll talk more about Crisis on Infinite Earths. And, and, and sure. especially, you know, with the way that it was adapted into uh, the Arrowverse on the CW as well. But as of right now, I'm about a third of the way through, and I'll be honest, I am kind of stalling out a little bit on it, you know, whereas when it comes to like the J.J. Abrams Spider-Man that I'm reading right now, I am rabid for the next issue. Like, it cannot come out soon enough. And if I knew that I could get it by, like, throwing Joe off of the building, I might actually do it just to get a little bit closer to it. That is uh, another allusion to killing Joe. Uh, for those of you keeping track at home, that's two. <laughs> Are we doing that? Oh, no. Two on the episode. Uh, two times that Robbie has alluded to the death of Joe. Just keeping track, man. Okay, great. Awesome. Uh, so so why, why don't we start there, then? Uh, let's, let's talk about what we consider some essential places, you know, places that that anyone would be able to jump in and be captured by this world. And I'm going to start with one that this is the the earliest time that I can remember my grandma showing any sort of interest in comics whatsoever. And it was uh, it was at the conclusion of Civil War when uh, when Cap gets shot because we had came over. I I think that it was around a holiday. It was either Christmas or it was Thanksgiving. And I remember coming in and she goes, did you hear what they did to Captain America? And I'm like, no. And she's like, I just saw it on the news. They were talking about it. They killed Captain America. 
they can't do that. He's Captain America. And I feel like, you know, had I had the Civil War books, and, and maybe I'll go back and get them at this point and give them to her, but I felt like at that time, had she had the chance to do so, she would have loved to have to have uh, like like read that and just experienced it because it was enough to where you know they had it on on the six o'clock news, and you know it it lit something within her. Even not being a comic book fan, like they can't do that to Captain America. Yeah, I, the death of Captain America was actually a very interesting point. I was still at Wizard when that happened, and. To your point, it brought a lot of people in from the mainstream because they had the same reaction that your grandmother had, the idea that they can't possibly kill Captain America. Now, to those of us who were reading comics all the time, what was our first reaction when Captain America died, Robbie? Uh, you can't do that to Captain America. <laughs> but also the fact that we know he'll be back at some point. But if you're a neophyte, if you're a non-reader, you, you think this is this huge thing. It's the same thing when they killed Superman. If you had been reading Superman comics for 20 years, you probably knew there'd be a way out of this. But yeah, for no me, one stays dead in comics. Exactly. But for me as a 10-year-old kid who's just getting into comics, it was the same reaction. Oh my god, they just killed Superman. How could they do this? So stories like the death of Captain America, the death of Superman that bring people in from the outside world are great because they're big, loud noises. But then once you're in, that's when you start reading the Civil Wars. That's when you start reading the funeral for a friend, all the stuff that surrounds these big events. So that's a cool way to get in for uh, for your grandmother. Mm -hmm. So what about you? What's what's one that you would name as like an essential? So something I'll always recommend to people who are just getting started in comics is a book called Marvels. Uh, It is a four issue limited series that came out in the mid 90s, written by Kurt Busiek, who went on to have a great run on Avengers and has done a ton of other great stuff, painted by none other than Alex Ross, who everyone knows now. But at the time, Alex Ross was a newcomer. This was his first big high profile exposure. The reason I recommend Marvels as being essential is it is a four part retelling basically of the origin of the Marvel Universe. It's beautifully painted. It's presented in such a way that it's done from the perspective of the man on the street. And it really just is a showcase for all of these different Marvel concepts. The Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Captain America. Everyone gets their moment. And it does only cover really the, the Golden Age and the very beginning of the Silver Age. But to me... If you want to start reading Marvel, this is a great, classic, timeless story with incredible art where you can get a sense of, okay, what makes these characters great? And it's a nice launching point to the rest of the Marvel Universe. If you latch on to the X-Men moments in Marvels, then you can start reading the Claremont X-Men. If you really appreciate the Spider-Man stuff in Marvels, then maybe you want to go back to the start and explore the Stan Lee, Steve Ditko stuff, or maybe you want to jump to the present, like something like you were talking about with the J.J. Abrams. But my point is, Marvels is a great way in. And it's easy to remember, too, because the the title is Marvels. <laughs> uh, I'm actually going to have to go with something, something sort of similar there. And, and I'm going to say start with Ultimate Spider-Man. And, and mm-hmm. obviously, this, this was sort of where I got my first real injection into comics proper. But I think that right now, when you look at what's going on in the MCU, there are a lot of people that love 
Tom Holland's Spider-Man, right? You know, after the Tobey Maguire and whoever the other guy was, you know, people didn't think that they were ready for another Spider-Man. And once Tom Andrew, Holland's let's, up let's, on let's stage, let's call there, it it's, it's Andrew Garfield, just so we don't get tweeted about. Yeah, just sorry, so we don't get Andrew tweeted Garfield. about this. All right, <laughs> you're right. Uh, but but there's something about Ultimate Spider-Man, and this was what what really captured me as well. Is to me, there's no one else in comics. Well, maybe with Kamala Khan now. I haven't read enough of her, but at the time. From what I had read, there was nothing else in comics quite like Peter Parker. You know, he was younger. He wasn't an adult yet. He was still in school. And they did such a great job of juxtaposing his character and the problems that he has and the way that he deals with them up against the adults, right? That mm. should know better. The ones that, 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 are, that are more prepared for this. Because of all the heroes who have their powers... Peter Parker is not the kid who should have got those, but he still uses them and realizes this responsibility that he has. And obviously there's serious tones, there's lighthearted tones, and just the way that Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man just set everything up and played everything out, it has a little bit of everything in there for you. And to me, it's just such a great entry point into the world of of what comics have the potential to be. I agree with you 110%. Ultimate Spider-Man is a masterwork. And the nice thing about it is you can hand that to someone who's not a comic book fan and it doesn't necessarily have the... Look, I love the Lee, Kirby, Ditko, early 60s stuff. But the fact is, if you hand that to someone who just saw the movie, they're going to latch on to the fact that there's a lot of dated references. There's a lot of misogyny, a lot of stuff that's really cringeworthy. I think you start with something like Ultimate Spider-Man, which to me is timeless. It's uh, it really, even though it's a couple decades old at this point, it feels contemporary. And mm-hmm. then if they like Ultimate Spider-Man and then want to try something like the early Spider-Man comics, great. But I think the Ultimate Universe was just such a gift in terms of people who always found the early stuff too dated, too hokey. The Ultimate Universe kind of updated everything and welcomed people in and ultimate spider-man start to finish is a brilliant piece of work uh, obviously brian bendis wrote the entire series and you know he was on there for like a decade and it's all good the different periods that he goes through the different things he did with peter parker and eventually miles morales it's oh, it's yeah there's there's no better way to start so i i think that is a great suggestion now, the, 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 the essentials here, this is something that we're going to be visiting time and time again because we both have such long lists. There's no way we could even possibly hope to get it out in a single episode. So look forward to hearing more of what we consider to be the essentials in comics, and I promise there'll be more than just the Marvel stuff. Uh, but next, we're going to talk about what I think, along with the MCU, is another form of essential viewing, and that's the Arrowverse. So we're going to be right back here in just a moment. So the Arrowverse, the CW's own little—not uh, quite an experiment. It's—I it's, mean, at this point, it's—it's it's, it's a full-blown phenomenon, uh, right. and that is the the universe that they've created around the Green Arrow, the Flash, the Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, and I feel like that like the Arrowverse is what the MCU wanted to do with TV, but wasn't quite able to do. And I think that it's worth talking about because obviously it's a lot more accessible than even I think the movies are because you know you can tune in you can stream it at any time and i mean it has blown up in a way that uh that that again even marvel has struggled to do with tv so so i guess just right out the gate i need to know what is your just overall opinion 
on the Arrowverse. Are you a fan? Or are you not a fan? I'm definitely a fan. Um, you and I talked the other day when we were not recording about how I strongly feel there are differences between the Marvel and DC universes that make them work. Marvel is very much this man on the street, you can relate to it, shared universe. It's the world outside your window. Yes, there's crazy stuff happening. There's mutants and thunder gods, etc. But there's a relatability at the end of the day. What makes DC Comics work for me is the idea that these are the ideals. These are the people we want to be. This is the big, crazy, overpowered stuff that really captures the attention. And what I think works so well about the Arrowverse, ironically, it started out with Green Arrow, who is about the most mortal, down-to-earth character you can do. But I think the reason the Arrowverse worked, uh, beginning with Arrow, going into The Flash, expanding onto Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, Batwoman, is that they lean into the fact that these are shows based on comic books. They are not ashamed of big powers, even if they don't necessarily have the budget for them, crazy yeah. costumes making it work. Uh, they don't flinch at the idea. And I think that's something that always Marvel had trouble with, with the TV stuff, was it almost felt like there was a bit of embarrassment over, well, if we can't do movie-level special effects, we're just going to do a show about normal people. I don't necessarily want to watch a comic book show about normal people. Okay, uh, hold on. Are you slandering Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is that what that was? Was that an under-the-table sl- jab at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I have a lot of respect for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know a lot of the people who worked on it, and I think they do a tremendous job for what they do. What they do is not what I wanted to see from a comic book show on television. I okay. wanted to see. I wanted to see something more like... The Flash, which feels like a comic book come to life. And to that, me... That's fair. We'll, we'll come back around to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. someday in the future. But, we but will. That, we but will. That, that's fair. Okay. All right. I felt, I felt like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a procedural set in the Marvel Universe, which is certainly appealing. But what I wanted to see, I wanted to see a, the fastest man alive. And I right. wanted to see that's him fighting fair. Captain Cold. I, I am a lapsed Arrowverse fan. Um, when it first started out, I was I was all in for uh, Arrow the first few seasons. I loved what they did in the first season of The Flash. But I think over the years, and, and, I, and I know exactly who and what did it. It was the Legends of Tomorrow, and it was when they started... And I also loved the first season of Supergirl. It was absolutely amazing. But it was when they started to, to, to push everyone into this mold of, okay, they all have to have teams that they have and and when i watch it now it's it's so difficult because all i see is it's it's the soap operas of today right the the all right. my children the general hospital that that my grandma and my mom used to watch all the time Th- that's what the cw is but for superheroes and and while i agree with you the the writing the scripting the ideas that they have are all amazing when you try to have these big team up fights where it's supposed to be you know superman and batwoman and 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 the green arrow and the atom standing in a circle in a warehouse shooting at shadows it all it all falls a little bit flat for me man it's it's it's, it's hard to stay into it it's totally fair man and you know there are flaws in what they're doing look the thing i said that they're not ashamed of the special effects at the same time the special effects are laughable on the Arrowverse, <laughs> yeah, and they can, I don't they think, can be. And I don't think anyone who works on the Arrowverse is going to argue that. But what I do think they have, and you alluded to it, is there's heart. There's heart at the center of these stories. I genuinely love Barry Allen 
and I love his relationship with Iris West. And, and Grant Gustin, too. He's so good. Grant Gustin is... He was such a great choice for that character. He's phenomenal. And I care about Oliver Queen, and I care about these relationships they're forming. So when you kind of say, oh, it's a soap opera, I got to push back there and say... I love the soap opera. And again, you're talking to a wrestling fan, and that is that is male soap opera, so I'm predisposed. Also, I think Melrose Place is the greatest show of all time. We can come back to that. but I don't think we will. Uh, we, we can come back to it. But I, I enjoy that. I enjoy what they're trying to do. But you know what? Ultimately, Robbie, I enjoy that the Arrowverse is not perfect. If I look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the MCU, I see something that is almost flawless at this point they know how to put together what they want to put together and just about everything they do works the Arrowverse, 100 that is not the case there are as many misses as there are hits but i appreciate the fact that they're willing to take these big swings you know, Ben, you make it really hard to argue against you. This, this, this is going to be something that, that for me is hard to, to, to get used to because Joe just had the worst opinions and it was so easy to just throw that garbage back into his face. This right here, this is the start of something something special, I think. Yeah, I'm different and I'm dangerous because I have bad opinions, but I've thought about them long enough that I can actually make some rationale. Oh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. But uh, I think that that's about all the time we have for today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into The Other Identity with me, Robbie Landis, and my new co-host, Ben Morris. Until next time, I don't have a good outro yet.